41, the moon is full. You make love very well. You touch me like I touch myself. I like you, mademoiselle. There's nothing I would rather do. They move around just like this. But do I have to dance all night? Do I have to dance all night? Who tell me bird of paradise? Do I have to dance all night? Hello, and welcome to Lenny and Coco, the Leonard Cohen podcast. I'm your host, Ned. And I'm your host, Kinley. How are you doing, Kinley? I'm doing well, thank you. Yeah, how about you? Great, I'm good. good. I'm uh, drinking a Jungle Bird, feeling uh, great. Excellent. And I'm drinking a Bellweiser from Bellwoods Brewery here in Toronto. Yeah, I was going to say, those non-Toronto folks aren't going to know. Uh, yeah. What they're just gonna think you messed up when you say it. I'm drinking a Bellweiser. <laughs> drinking a Bellweiser. <laughs> you mean a you mean a Budweiser? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the king of Toronto beers. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing today? We're talking about the future. Yeah, uh, this is the last studio album of this era that I guess we're calling the pop star era. I think that's fitting. Yeah, yeah. He's our poppy man. Yeah, this album came out. In 1992, it came out on November 24th, 1992, which is a special day for (laughs) Lenny and Coco. That's the day that I was born. I was born on the same day as the future. That's so cool. Whatever that means. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So as we know, I'm Your Man was a pretty big hit. Yes. Uh, People loved it. Good. Um, it sold better than he had in, uh, well, better than he ever had, I think. Um, but definitely better than he had in quite a while. Mm -hmm. So how is he going to follow it up? Let's find out. Yeah. Uh, between the releases of I'm Your Man and The Future, the Soviet Union collapses. Mm. The Berlin Wall comes down. Mm -hmm. The end of history as... Noted political scientist, right. Francis Fukuyama called it, which is just like the arrogance. Do, do you know why it was referred to as that? I was looking this up because I was like, there must be um, more nuance than I'm giving it credit f- uh-huh. for. Yeah. But, <laughs> but there isn't. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm sure there's nuance, but like really his theory was that this was it. And uh, liberal democracy was... It but won the race and was going to be it for evermore. Well, that's certainly short-sighted. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know how you could possibly think that when yeah. it's only been like a couple hundred years since the whole thing even got invented and humans have been around for uh, much longer than that. Yeah, and he's an expert. Curious. It was a time of optimism. Yeah. If you lived in America. Yeah. For most people. Uh-huh. But luckily not everybody. We've got certain uh profit types who are yeah. gonna who are gonna tell us that no things aren't as good as they seem. Yeah. I'm talking about Leonard Cohen. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh career wise, Leonard Cohen, all time high. 
um, tribute album comes out in 1991, I'm Your Fan. Uh, <laughs> terrible title. <laughs> that is a terrible title. But it's got songs by R.E.M., Pixies, Nick Cave. Oh, and wow. Of course, uh, John Cale's Hallelujah yes. makes its debut here. I see. Also in 1991, uh, Leonard gets inducted into the Juno Hall of Fame. Oh, hell yes. Um, he has this. This is just a little bit of his uh, speech. Oh, great. His acceptance speech, but it's uh, it's a funny bit. Excellent. I want to say that the graciousness, the hospitality, and the timing of the Academy is impeccable. If uh, I had been given this attention when I was uh, 26, it would have turned my head. Uh, at 36, it might have confirmed my flight on a rather morbid spiritual path. At 46, it would have rubbed my nose in my feeling powers and uh, prompted uh, a plotting of a getaway and an alibi. But at 56, hell, I'm just hitting my stride and it doesn't hurt at all. Oh, good stuff. That makes me so happy. Yeah, you can look up the, the whole speech on YouTube if you like. Yeah, I'll have to see, check that out. See our guy wearing a tux. Yeah. Looking dapper. Looking sharp. Um, so yeah, he's riding high. Doesn't hurt at all. Mm-hmm. Relationship-wise, also, I don't want to say top of his game, but, <laughs> but pretty much that that is the case. Uh, he's in probably the most serious relationship since uh, Suzanne. Um, that's mm. with uh, Rebecca De Mornay, the Hollywood actress. Yeah. Do you know her well? I don't actually. I, I've hardly seen anything. I don't know her well, but okay. So I sort of accidentally found this out because on on Genius there was a specific like description that said like that the album was like co-produced by Rebecca De Mornay. I was like, wait, what the fuck? Isn't she an actor? And then sure enough, then I was like, oh, and they're together. I did. I had no idea. I mean, yeah, I, I actually don't think I've seen her in anything, but like I know she was in Risky Business and I mostly, uh, honestly, I mostly know of her from a from a Ricky Gervais show bit where, um, well, it takes too long to explain here, so I won't. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was such a funny little surprise. Indeed. Yeah. yeah. I mostly, I think maybe I've only seen her in Lords of Dogtown. Where she plays right. Emile Hirsch's mom. Oh, okay. Um, but we should watch Risky Business. We should have a, yeah, mo- a sure. movie night. Great. Anyway, she and Leonard met at one of Robert Altman's parties, which is a phrase that I wish to God I could apply to my own oh, life. Oh, yeah. Alas, it never will happen. Mm. He's not throwing any more parties, at <laughs> least not on this plane. Hey. Um, they started just as friends, but soon became very close lovers. Even getting engaged, Leonard Cohen told journalists that their relationship was, quote, an exclusive and highly conventional one. And he said, there is a formal arrangement between us. Yes. Interesting. Um, this was, the, he was talking to journalists about this because, of course, she's a famous Hollywood actress. Yeah. This is the most in the spotlight he's ever been. He attended the Oscars with her and their picture was in tabloids with the headline, Beauty and the Beast. Oh. And, uh... <laughs> Close listeners will know I'm often referencing Sylvie Simmons's biography uh-huh. of Leonard Cohen. I'm your man. Generally, pretty you know the it gives the facts, but I love uh, her little aside when she relates this story. So they uh, 
Yeah, she says they're in the tabloids, and the headline says Beauty and the Beast. And she says, How mean of them to refer to Rebecca de Mornay as a beast. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, so that's all going good for now. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, mm. one thing that's not going so good uh, while he's writing this album, Leonard's son, Adam Cohen, now 18, uh, gets in a terrible car accident in Guadalupe. He gets. Very badly injured, airlifted to a hospital in Toronto with a fractured neck and pelvis, nine broken ribs, and a collapsed lung. Oh, Jesus. And was in the hospital for four months. Uh, Some of that was in a coma. Wow. Um, He made a complete recovery in the end. That's good. And Leonard Cohen was by his side practically the entire time. Oh. Sometimes while he was in the coma, Leonard would read aloud to him from the Bible and Adam's first words upon waking from the coma were, Dad, can you read something else? No way. <laughs> That's what they say. Wow. Yeah. So they became uh, very close. I, I, I don't think they were not close before. Yeah. Uh, Leonard was, was always taking trips to, to visit his uh, family who were living in France for at least a good chunk of their childhood. I don't know if they were always in France, but mm. he was always going back and forth. But yeah, here uh, he and Adam become closer and that will continue. And even they'll even uh, have like a working professional relationship yeah. uh, sometime in the future, which we'll get to when we get to. Yeah. But meanwhile, the songwriting is no easier than it has been <laughs> the last two albums. Yeah. Uh, Democracy, notably, the track went through more than 80 verses before Leonard settled on what we get here. I I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, he says that he could write a perfectly reasonable song or even a good song. But whenever he listened back, he imagined that he could hear that the guy was putting you on. So it's just the same old classic Leonard thing of not feeling like he's getting the the true heart of the song across. Mm. So he's just trying again and again. This album gets recorded in dozens of different studios. There's often a whole different set of people playing oh. and singing back up on each track. Right. Um so there's really nothing I can say that's like a you know, to give an overall sense of the recording. It yeah. was just a, a big mishmash. Mm. Um all in LA though. Uh and just because it there like because things were recorded at different times, like, yeah. Okay, because he would record things and then be like, "Oh no, that's not good." And okay, then, and come back and try it again. Wow, with different people and a whole different. So yeah, some of these songs apparently had whole like totally different arrangements. Uh, we'll talk oh. about that a bit. Oh, cool. Okay, um, but yeah, he stays in L.A. the whole time, as we mentioned. Of course, the writing and recording of this album is being done. As the Soviet Union is collapsing. Yeah. Um, but it's also the time of the Rodney King riots mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, smoke from the fires is visible from Leonard's apartment. And Rebecca de Mornay asked why he would want to live here. Not a city that seems to suit Leonard's temperament. Yeah. Uh, and he said he wanted to be there because it was at like, the nexus of everything that's falling apart and he wanted to bear witness to it. Right. Well, that certainly checks out with <laughs> what we end up listening to with the on album this album. We're getting indeed. Yeah. Yes. This is, yeah, this is at least framed as Leonard basically being like a, a journalist from the end of the world. Yeah. Um, 
although maybe not exactly a journalist because there are certainly some more uh, intangible Mm -hmm. things that he will discuss. Certainly. Yeah, and we'll get to those. But uh, as always, first, we're going to look at the cover of the record. Mm -hmm. What do you think? What do we got here? Okay, so it is uh, a white background, black font with Leonard Cohen on top and the future on the bottom. It's sort of, the, the font is like, I was trying to, it's like, it's like tattooy sort of. It's like a, like a, what, what is that? I was trying to find what font this was actually. Uh-huh. I loaded the picture of this album into uh, whatdefont.com. <laughs> Failed. Okay. It did not come up. I don't, maybe this is like a, a hand drawn custom font. Maybe. I don't, I love the R in this font. Oh Yeah. The striking. It's uh, the most. Bottom uh, bit. Yeah, it's the most um, idiosyncratic, original uh-huh. letter. In the, the the letter R often seems to be. I don't know if you know this, the Toronto subway has its own font. Oh yeah. Uh, custom made in the sixties. Yes, that's right. And uh, for them too, the letter R is the is the one to look at if you want to oh. tell what font you're looking at. I'll uh, I'll give that a look next time. And so in the middle. Uh, are are three pictures sort of stacked on top of each other? At the top is uh, what what kind of bird? Is, oh, a hummingbird. Oh yeah, yeah. And then a a blue heart with a sort of kind of like white like highlight around it, and then a um, and then a handcuffs at the bottom, which also uh, yeah, I, I I guess like to me this is sort of trying to like evoke like a tattoo. Is that the impression you get? I didn't before now, but I see exactly what you mean. This, uh, maybe he was, yeah, aiming for the getting fans to get tattoos right. of his work. Oh, and true. was like, okay, well, I'll give you one. So, Ned, I'm in two minds about this album cover because I think the idea is great. And I think, like, these three symbols work really well in terms of, like, what you're sort of getting from the album. But I think it's sort of, uh, with the with the images, it's just... There, it's sort of like stock looking. Hmm. How do you feel? I like it. Cool. Um, it's interesting. This is the first time in a long time we've had an album cover without Leonard Cohen's picture on it. Trail. It's the only one so far aside from uh, New Skin for the Old Ceremony, mm-hmm. which actually has a lot in common with this, even though that was obviously a very different art style and piece of art. But I don't know. You can put those two covers next to each other and... I think they would go together pretty nicely. Yeah. Um, I like this. The the handcuffs, it should be mentioned, are open handcuffs. Right. Which, of course, can either mean a recent freedom or an incoming... Yes. ...non-freedom. Yeah. <laughs> ...imprisonment, um, which is uh, actually very apt for the world of 1992. Mm-hmm. You know, as some people think, we have escaped the evils of communism and we're free now in our liberal democracy across the whole world and everything's going to be great. It's the end of history now. Or we think that, but something is coming to uh, uh, to chain us once again. Yeah. So I like it for that. Um, yeah. And I always love a hummingbird. Sure. One of the best birds. Yeah, it is a good bird. But yeah, I... Uh, I don't know. I used to be really hard on this cover when I first when I first saw it, especially in tiny form. I'm glad this is the first time seeing it in vinyl size today. I thought 
I, I just kind of straight up thought it was ugly. But now I think, because uh, especially like I like the idea of it more, so that heightens it. But I also think like it it looks okay. I guess <laughs> is as high as I will go with my praise. I don't love it. Yeah, yeah, it could be like more artistically careful. Uh huh. <laughs> but. I don't know. I've never thought that until now. I've, I've always just accepted it cool. happily as uh, what it is. All right, then. And in the back, we have the lyrics and then the, the small version of the cover at the very at the very top. In the center. Yeah, there's also a little dedication to Rebecca, which oh. is uh, just a quote from the Bible. So there is. <laughs> because uh, there happens to be a character named Rebecca in the Bible. Mm. Very helpful yes. if you are courting someone named Rebecca. Yes. Do you want to read that? Yeah, sure. And before I had done speaking in mine heart, behold, Rebecca came forth with her pitcher on her shoulder, and she went down into the well and drew water. And I said unto her, let me drink, I pray thee. And she made haste and let down her pitcher from her shoulder and said, drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. So I drank, and she made the camels drink also. How romantic. <laughs> <laughs> huh. Okay. <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know uh, yeah that's uh it's got the word rebecca in it but otherwise i don't know he's a curious man sometimes isn't he yeah well you know what sometimes he, your camel's got a drink <laughs> you're so right about that anyway yeah we've uh blithered, blithered on long enough <laughs> time to uh get into it and we start off appropriately with the title track, The Future. Yes. Give me a bank of Berlin Give me a star and say, Paul, I've seen the future, brother. It is murder. Well, there's no mistake in what we're going to be getting on this album with, yeah. with this song. Right away, we're back in the... Uh, well, we're not the 80s anymore, but that synthesizer sound, but like even more so. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. Um, it's just like uh, this song especially is just uh, a full on assault. <laughs> uh, there's just sounds from every corner. Uh-huh. Uh, it's awesome. Yep, I agree. This is a great song. And and uh, lyrically, Christ, <laughs> this is. Yeah. I won't I won't say his darkest but it's up there. Definitely. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, we talked about it in the intro, but just uh, love to see an artist who can uh, see what's coming. Yeah. Uh, everybody else is celebrating, but not our guy. I mean, it's just such such a simple refrain, but I think it's just so effective with, I've seen the future, brother. It is murder. It is murder. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, really, how how else are you supposed to put that? It just so cleanly illustrates the point. Yeah, so this like the the verses here are just full of uh, quotable lines mm -hmm. about just things being fucked up and just the uh, the emptiness of what we've got left in uh -huh. the wake of these like uh, global conflicts. Yeah. It's like, Give me crack and anal sex. Take the only tree that's left and stuff it up the <laughs> hole in your culture. God. <laughs> yeah. And then, just, you know, it goes on like that. And then, um, but the, the chorus, I think, is really interesting. Things are going to slide in all directions. Won't be nothing. 
Nothing you can measure anymore. The blizzard of the world has crossed the threshold and it's overturned the order of the soul. Yeah. So I like this, a lot of this album as a whole, but especially this song. Um, yeah. For taking the like sociopolitical commentary that we got on the last album in like everybody knows and first we take Manhattan. Yeah. And then adding the sense of mystery and discussion of intangibles yeah. that I had lightly complained were missing from those songs. Yes. Yeah. And I think this is such a cool melding of the two. Yeah, I agree. Just, I think that the, uh, the soul matters in this stuff. Mm -hmm. Like it's perfectly valid to just say things are bad and here's all the ways in which things are fucked up yeah. and like that affects people and that's bad. But especially an artist like Leonard Cohen, I appreciate the going a step further and saying it's like, yeah, this is bad because it hurts people on a physical level. Yes. But it's also bad because this will corrupt all of our souls yeah. if we let it continue. Well, with with the with this part, like my, my thought was, you know, it, it's funny how this did come from the time that was declared by one guy anyway as the end of history. And to me, like hearing that, it's like, that's still as true as it ever was today. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's lots of that on this album. He's the, pro he's the prophet. Yeah. <laughs> um, I will say I was, uh, I had a major world changing shock this week listening to this album. Oh yeah. Well, specifically looking up the lyrics to this album because <laughs> I had heard this every time. Oh, for hundreds of listeners. Oh, I love this. What is it? Things are going to slide in all directions. Won't be nothing you can't measure anymore. And to oh. me, this was like the whole crux of the song. I, I, everything depended upon this because oh. what I thought it meant was that now that we're in this world of progress and everything in our lives is determined by science and technology that is just advancing and advancing. And the dystopian outcome of that is a world where there's only the physical mm. and all discussion of souls or the beauty of the universe or God or anything like that is just all shut out because everything is just uh, a measurable technological world mm. and i the whole song seemed to revolve around that to me and then i found out it's the complete opposite it's nothing you can measure anymore which um my partner pointed out to me it makes a lot of sense because if things are sliding in all directions you can't measure stuff it's very difficult yeah and so it works that way too definitely is like you know Everything's falling apart so much yeah. and just slipping and sliding all around. Yeah. You can't get a handle on anything anymore. Yes. So that's a whole, I guess they're both dystopias. So yeah. that's a bummer. Um, yeah. <laughs> whether you can or can't measure things. Yeah. Well, maybe it's just you shouldn't be able to either measure or not measure everything. Mm. Some things you should be able to measure sure. and some things you should not be able to measure. Yeah. But anyway, this was uh, a shock. But that's very cool. And I like that with with uh, 
an, a different understanding of the lyrics. You had this whole meaning, but then by learning it, it didn't like tar well, maybe a temporary tar tarnished it. I don't know what your emotional <laughs> process was, but that ultimately you came out on the other end being like, oh yeah, but like this totally different meaning, like also works in the context of the song. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'll admit I was, uh, I was pretty shaken to the core. Well, yeah. Why but, wouldn't you be? But in the end, yeah, it's still a great song. <laughs> well, yeah. And we have, we haven't like super talked about the music of it yet, but like it is a bop. Yeah. It is just lively and fun. And you know, you, you gotta love the, the, the music lyric dissonance when, when songs do that. And this one does it very well. Yeah. You could straight up dance to this, I think. Yeah. With the, with the, now you said that the things are going to slide in all directions as the chorus, but I always thought of they said repent as the chorus. I think it's all the chorus, but I guess oh, you okay. could say that the things are going to slide as the pre-chorus. Yeah, and yeah, the the repent with the background singers uh, uh, parroting back the repent. Oh, it's so great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love the way um, his voice like intermingles with theirs on the things are going to slide in all directions. Yes. And, like the, the rhythms are different, but they like interlock with each other. Yeah. Really nicely. I don't like the voice he's doing quite as much as like the the big rounded deep one. Okay. That we got a lot of on I'm Your Man. Mm -hmm. But I think you can pretty easily argue that it works well for the song. Yeah. Um, I think like so it's just like a pretty like ragged desperate man who's just kind of like has gone hoarse from shouting these things yeah at people who won't listen yeah but he's still going um and it does really click into place sometimes there's like the the part where he says and now the wheels of heaven stop you feel the devil's riding crop i don't know why exactly but just uh his voice there mm. hits, oh yeah it's real yes hard. i do remember that yeah yeah it's good what, one other um, unfortunate detail that I want to mention is, uh, Ned, if you would scroll down for me, please. Oh, yeah. So the lyric, destroy another fetus now. We don't like children anyhow. Oh, yeah. And this has apparently been, and I looked this up because I didn't quite believe it, but this has been co-opted by some pro-life movements. Uh -huh. you, <laughs> yeah, I know, which is such, and, and then I think I, I didn't look so much into this part, but like, Leonard Cohen's views on abortion have been like brought into question. I don't know if he was like ever like publicly asked about it, but it's just like, that's all like, that's obviously like not what's going on here within the context of the song. What do you think is going on here? Well, it's, I mean, first of all, you have a, a narrator who's just like, fuck it. <laughs> and so the idea of just like, yeah, let's just like end it all. We don't need it. We don't need any more like children in the world. And like, we don't like children anyhow. It's just, it's just sort of like more of the same with everything else we get in the verses of just like, yeah, I've seen the future and it's murder. So let's just, let's make it end rather than taking this moment in the middle of the song to make a stand about abortion. Yeah, no, for sure. It's like, yeah, the question of whether an individual person does or does not get an abortion is just like so not what this song yeah is about at all yeah and so yeah i mean i guess i can see why someone would cling on to that if yeah. those were their beliefs but yeah I, I certainly don't think that uh 
even if maybe maybe Leonard Cohen didn't really like abortions. He's a pretty religious sure. man. Um but I really doubt that he would be trying to stop anyone from uh Yeah. getting abortions if they think that that's what they need. Yeah. Yeah. I like how a white man dancing is uh, one of the signs of the end of the world yeah. here. I guess white men being happy has historically often not meant good things for the rest of the world. So true. But also it uh, makes me think of the character of the judge in the book Blood Meridian by Cormac McCarthy. Oh, okay. Rest in peace. Who's just a gigantic, very white, bald man who is kind of like the embodiment of all horror and evil and chaos in the world. Yeah. And there's a scene where... Uh, I don't remember the details exactly, but he's, uh, there's some kind of like, uh, you know, like a, a rustic campfire concert kind of thing going on yeah. and he just starts dancing and it's just this like huge, powerful man just moving his body about so intensely and even just like reading the book and not seeing anything that image of it is just like seared into my head. Yeah. Just, uh, I picture him just like staring at me as he flails around (laughs) and it's horrifying. Yeah. And, uh, that's what I think of when I hear about the white man dancing in the future. Yeah. Good image. Yeah. Yeah, Great lyrics in this one. Yeah. Yeah. We could talk forever about this one, but we 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 should probably move move on. on. Yeah. Yeah. Good start, Leonard. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, track two is, uh, Quite a different sound. Mm-hmm. Waiting for the miracle. There were lots of invitations. I know you sent me some, but I was waiting for the miracle, for the miracle to come. There's that voice I was missing. Yeah, yeah. The voice really comes through on this one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think of this song? Okay. This is the part of the um, the episode where I desperately try to rein in my ADHD because like, I could go on forever, but I'm going to try and keep this as concise as possible. This was one where immediately when it started, it musically clicked with me. This will happen... Ever so occasionally, a a clear memory that I have uh, is with you, Ned, when we were hanging out in your apartment back when um, you lived with Spencer. Folks at home, uh, Spencer's a friend of ours who is my current roommate. And uh, you put on uh, you were getting into the self-titled Suicide album Mm -hmm. and you put it on. And the first track is Ghost Rider. And we were just like talking and you put it on. And I was it started. I was like, what is this? And I was just like constantly like listening while we were also trying to maintain a conversation. (laughs) And so in that way, I was like, oh, this is, I love like listening to this song, waiting for the miracle I'm talking about now. Uh, And then eventually the point where uh, I, I sat down with the lyrics, I was just like, oh my God. And I, you know, without going into his intense for, for meanings of the song, like I, immediately went to like my projecting of my own self onto the song. And it just, it just lyrically rang so true for me. And even the detail of how this song like had the musical click, 
that for me, I sort of like rank everything else against that. So I went through a journey on this album, right? Where I have it where, okay, waiting for the miracle, this one clicks, none of the other ones click in that same way. So what does that say about the rest of them? And then that, you know, is this, this thing of like, oh, I guess that means like, I don't like the, the, the rest of them as much as this. And I just think that's, you know, without getting too personal, although I guess I am kind of about to, <laughs> but like, I think that is something that happens in my life where I'm sort of waiting for like the perfect moment or like the exact right feeling for to go forward with things. And I'm ignoring everything else or I'm, I'm uh, evading like other opportunities to be like present in the moment and to let things sort of grow on you and to like be like attentive and actually um, get, I'm waiting for like a like a chemical reaction that you know if if I'm looking for that go like listen to like a pop song or like eat some junk food but like with stuff like this you have to be more like tuned into it and actually be like a more active listener or consumer of whatever it is you're doing to actually like get the full notes of it. So this is the journey I went on with the song. And I love, this is one I just like really love. I love the lyrics. I love the music. Um, but yeah, it was just like, th this one feels like very personal to me because I just, especially like lyrically, I feel, I feel like my own experience, like in a way, like reflected in it. But again, that's sort of my own projection. I don't know exactly what it was that he was going for here, but that's what I took from it. That's awesome. I, <laughs> I love that. I, uh, yeah, I'm kind of surprised. Um, not like hugely surprised, but a little surprised that this song would, uh, would be the one that clicks with you so much. Couldn't tell um, you why. Just, you know, it's like, uh, one of the slower ones, it's long. Um, it is long. <laughs> I would I would not personally call it boring, but it is on the edge, I mm. think. Um, I can see why others might think that. Right. But yeah, before I get into like the music of it, just, yeah, your point about, you know, having pop songs or chips or whatever <laughs> are just like, it's a free ticket to just like a certain feeling mm -hmm. yeah which is great sure but it there's like a ceiling on that feeling <laughs> yeah <laughs> this is my pop song <laughs> um you know there's a limit to to how much that feeling's going to move you yeah whereas a more serious song or work of art or like you know a, a great meal cooked by a master chef or whatever yeah there is no limit yeah. to how that might move you at all. Exactly. And if, uh, it, if the piece of art works and if you're receptive to it, that can be uh, an experience that you can't even really compare with the pop song or Chip's experience. Exactly. Um, and, it's, and life is like that in all facets. Mm -hmm. It's not just food and art. It's like... Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think you were getting at that, but just like, you know relationships with people yeah <laughs> just decisions you make in life mm -hmm. what how you choose to spend your time all of that is and i'm not saying everyone should always be constantly going for these uh transcendent experiences you can't do that 24 hours a day uh-huh but uh it's just worth remembering that uh that's out there yeah if you're willing to go look for it yeah yeah, this is a cool song. I, I don't, 
I don't have this kind of like uh, connection with it as you do, but That's I do. Cool. I do like it a lot. Yeah. Um, one thing I like about it is that, as I said, it's a slow song, but it's got really a lot going on. Yeah. Musically, like there's like much quicker parts to the rhythm and the instrumentation mm-hmm. that really just like keeps momentum going. Yeah. Because like even if the 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 overall tempo is slow, there's just a lot of like. Uh, quickness to it and life to it um (laughs) that was my attempt at the little (laughs) whatever sound that is oh yeah yeah hope that was picked up on the microphone i didn't want to whistle right into the microphone (laughs) that would have been bad yeah one of my notes is that this is a song where the lyrics suggest something more going on than what i was noticing which helps me to like come back to it and to like keep me interested as it goes yeah but i wasn't necessarily finding that but i think you know, it sounds like you did so that's cool yeah yeah uh just a, a callback note um you know maybe reading a little too into things but i guess it was more just like an immediate thought of w- with the lyric in the second verse um i know it must have hurt you it must have hurt your pride to have to stand beneath my window with your bugle and your drum and i'm up there waiting for the miracle for the miracle to come and i had this idea that uh the, that at least in that verse, it's like taking place in the Tower of Song. Ooh. Yeah. That's it. Just the standing beneath the window. As, and, you know, he in Tower of Song, he talks about, you know, I'll be... What does he say about the... It says something about the window. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, I know, you know, lots of buildings have windows. I know this, but uh, we're coming Almost fresh. Almost all of them. We're coming fresh off I'm Your Man and I made the connection. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just like the vibe of this song. Yeah. It's like slinky, mm-hmm. mysterious, almost like otherworldly, which is yeah appropriate. It actually kind of sounds like it's waiting for a miracle. Yeah. In a weird way. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And I think the refrain sounds really good when you have the, the background vocals with the ooze and the whatever chord progression that is, I just think sounds real nice. Yeah. Uh, I, I should mention, I believe this is a uh, co-write with Sharon Robinson. Oh, really? We can cut that if that's not true. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think that's true. Cool. Um, but let's move on. Yeah, sure. Um, track three is Be For Real. It's a song written by Frederick Knight, original performance by Marlena Shaw. Right. But this is Leonard Cohen's. Just So this is one of two covers. Yeah. Uh, unusually for a Leonard Cohen album. Yeah. But yeah, it's the first one. What do you think? Uh, I like it a lot. I think it's a beautiful version. Yeah, this is, this is just great to listen to. Yeah. Nothing uh, too complicated about it. No. It's just, uh, I think it works because he's not like trying to be a soul singer. Like he's not like putting anything on. Oh, no. He's just like treating it like this is one of the songs that he wrote and is just uh, taking it slow. Yeah. As he always does at this stage. And he's just filling up all the space with uh, the way he records his voice. And yeah, it just basically sounds like it could be one of his songs. Yeah, totally. It was, it was, 
at this point in the album where I sort of had this feeling like there's not like a literal narrative, but a sort of like emotional narrative that goes throughout the album. Do you have mm. that feeling at all? I did not think of that, okay. but I'm open to it. Yeah. It just, you know, it opens in such like a place where it's like, okay, shit's fucked up. And then you have waiting for the miracle where it's like, there's, there is like this love going on, but like this guy who's like preoccupied waiting for something that may never come. And then this is the point where there's a sort of, and I, okay, the way I'm describing this right now, I'm making it very like literal, but I don't, I don't mean to, I just mean like, then you have like a love song where it's like, okay, I love you, but just make sure you're in it and let's go forward. And so there's something, there's just, there's just a sort of nice, like emotional flow that's happening here. Yeah. A nice like progression. I'm not sure if it's going to continue across the whole album, but I'll make an we'll, argument we'll keep for an it. Eye on it. <laughs> not we'll really. keep an eye on it. We'll see. Uh, sure. There's a part in this where he's got a funny little ad lib. I don't give a damn about the truth, baby. Except for the naked truth. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. Uh, we should probably move on. Yeah, sure. Uh, we're spending uh, a lot of time on this side A. Yep. And I'll just uh, say thanks for the song, Mr. Knight. Yeah. <laughs> Another good ad lib. Yeah. Uh, track four. Uh-huh. Closing time. Mm-hmm. And every drinker, every dancer lives a happy face to thank her. The fiddle, fiddle, something so sublime. All the way Women to the blouses off. Uh, so by Leonard Cohen standards, at least this was a pretty big hit. Oh yeah. It got to number 70 in Canada. Okay. <laughs> Good. Um, but it won two Juno awards, oh. one for best music video, uh, which was directed by Rebecca de Mornay yeah. actually. Um, but also one for best male vocalist of the year. Oh. In his acceptance speech, Leonard said, it's only in a country like this that I could win a best vocalist. <laughs> um, but this fucking rules. Oh, the song's so fun. This it's great. Is transcendent. It's this, great. This is one of those. I don't, I don't, so I don't know if they thought of this as like a hit when they were doing it. Uh-huh. So I don't know if this is really a fair comparison, but nonetheless, I'm going to compare to, uh, Ain't No Cure for Love, which oh, is yeah. like the the obvious pop hit of I'm Your Man. Yeah. And I like that song, but to me, like, this is what a Leonard Cohen pop hit should be. Like, we like artists like Leonard Cohen or, you know, Bob Dylan, Joni Mitchell, whoever. Yeah. We like them because they're always so uniquely themselves. Yeah. And this is way more himself. Then that's ain't no cure for love. That's so true. Like it's so no one else. Like it's just it sounds crazy. Yeah. It's I mean we've heard him do country quite a few times. Yeah. Now, but this is the strangest one. It's the most like mixed in with his own sensibilities. Yeah. Yeah. It's very electronic country for one thing. Well, yeah. And there's like something of the captain in that like seesaw fiddle going on. Oh yeah. But this is like several levels beyond that. And yeah, it's just like country music, hoedown filtered through Leonard Cohen at his pessimistic best. Yeah. 
And uh, I mean, th- there are a lot of lyrics in this one, and we could probably go on for a long time talking about them. But uh, I just think the lyrics in this one are incredible. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, there. Oh, God, I I I only listed a couple. Um, I mean, I just love in the first verse. She, is that in the first verse? Yes. Uh, she's the angel of compassion. She's rubbing half the world against her thigh. Great image. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a always a sucker for. It's like a, such a theatrical move, by which I mean like actual plays in a theater, mm-hmm. to uh, have a story that's set in just like one enclosed space. Oh, yeah. But you gradually find out that the space is like a metaphor for, you know, death or life or a certain part of society. Yeah. Or in this case, just literally all of our life on this physical plane. Yeah. Uh, and so like the, at the end, this is just such a incredible way to get at the idea of the end and judgment from God and just, uh, the culmination of life when it says the whole damn place goes crazy twice and it's once for the devil and it's once for Christ but the boss don't like these dizzy heights were busted in the blinding lights and just you get such an image of uh, closing time at the bar and the lights coming on and just all these like sorted people just suddenly having to look at themselves and each other. Yeah. But then to add that the boss is God who turned on the lights and is also seeing all these people and they know that, that he's seen them. Yeah. It's a uh, it's a very powerful image that you wouldn't expect in a pop song. Yeah. If totally. you can even call it a pop song, I don't really know if that's the right word for it, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um this album was going to be called Busted originally. Oh, really? Yeah, which oh. I, I must have come from this lyric, I guess. Yeah. Which is kind of cool also if like if that's Leonard Cohen saying that's just like where we're at right now. Yeah. As a society. It's just God turned on the lights and whoops. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. This great, great energy and pace. The song especially comes through with the um with the choruses, which are are unique in that there's always different lyrics for, mm-hmm. for each chorus. And it's very like quickly delivered, like very like hoedown style type. And it's just so satisfying, both in the performance by the the singers, but also um just lyrically, they all are just so good. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like freedom, but it feels like death. It's oh, something lo- in between, I guess. I love that. Yeah, it's a, it's good stuff. I wonder um, the line, the place is dead as heaven on a Saturday night. It makes me wonder if Leonard mm. Cohen listened to the Talking Heads and their song Heaven, where they say heaven is a place oh. where nothing ever happens. Oh, yeah. Huh. That's great. Apparently this song first existed as the engineer Leanne Ungar said, an absolutely gorgeous, slow, slow song with slowed down synthesized strings. Whoa. And I'm glad we got this version, but I'm also would love to hear that. Um, yeah. You can, you can kind of imagine that like the wonkiness of the fiddles and stuff that, uh, it came about from just like experimenting with slowing down and speeding up. Oh yeah, sure. But what I can't yeah. imagine is this being a slow song. 
I'd be a no, very, I would be yeah. interested to hear what that sounds like, especially because there are just so many words. That's true. Like yeah. if the I mean, song must last a goddamn eternity. Yeah, <laughs> maybe he would have cut some verses yeah, in a slow version. Um, speaking of a song that had a bajillion different versions before we got what we got, right? The next track is anthem. Ring the bell. Let's stand. Forget your perfect offering. There is a crack, a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. This is a song with a very famous chorus. Uh, people are quoting the chorus all the time. Oh, is that right? Yeah, you never heard people saying there's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. Maybe, but I assume that that wasn't like that. That idea wasn't from this song. <laughs> well, this song was inspired by like uh, religious texts and right. stuff. Yeah, but I mean, that's how Leonard Cohen puts it. That's all Leonard. Yeah, trail. Uh, anyway, it, it's it is a very famous Leonard Cohen line. I don't know if people love the song particularly or if they just love that line uh-huh um so i don't know if i'm going to be offending people oh or not when i say that this is just it's uh, yeah, yeah. okay it's a it's a very good poem yeah i don't know if it's that great of a song okay i see where you're coming from and this is not my favorite on the um but i i like it um i also uh I think part of this is informed by, uh, I actually wanted to mention this earlier. I, this weekend, uh, I was at Soul Pepper and I went to see, um, the secret chord shout out to Soul Pepper and that show. I think when this episode comes out, there will still be time to see it. So if you're in Toronto, feel free to go check it out, but they did this song and it was done in this very, like, I mean, it's an anthem. So it's very, it, it was like something out of like Les Mis. Like it was mm. bit, this build and it became like this huge, like rousing anthem, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> and I think that he hearing that in the midst of preparing for this episode, maybe like inform my opinion a little because this song, you know, in that sense, doesn't hit quite as hard. But I do. I do think it's good. I, I don't think it's like amazing, but I like it is my, is the end of my opinion on this. Yeah. When we had Nigel Chapman on mm -hmm. for various positions and we were talking about Hallelujah. Yeah. He said he thought it was neat that the original version, it didn't sound like they were treating it like the big important object that Hallelujah would later become. He liked that it sounded a little like rougher and more homemade. Right. And not the grand overblown version that a lesser artist might have done. With okay. that material. Yeah. Fully agreed. But I kind of think Anthem... Is that. Is that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's interesting. I don't know if Leonard Cohen can quite match up to the... Or I don't know if that's even what I want to say. It's just that I don't <laughs> think that the song is uh, helped by just the those huge leaps up into the chorus. They, uh, It's a lot. It's a lot. And it, <laughs> it just doesn't... Uh, ring true to oh. me um, it's too much that's funny because i i don't i don't find that leap like so big 
I always sort of expect it to like be like sound bigger and then it doesn't. I don't know. It's like, <laughs> it's just, they're good singers, but it's just they ring the bells and it's just so much. Uh, <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. It's such a, it's such a delicate lyric. The holy dove, she will be caught again, bought and sold and bought again. The dove is never free. And I, I, I and then think to it's, go into the chorus is like yeah, sort of a, like tramples on that. I think this saying? wants a smaller song. Yeah, I see. I see what you're saying. I think that's fair. Cool. And I, there, there may be the perfect version out there for me somewhere. Mm. Um, yeah, maybe because Leonard Cohen tried this a lot of different ways. He recorded versions for various positions, and I'm your man. Yeah. Um, the various positions one was apparently accidentally deleted. Really? Uh, and he took that as a sign that it wasn't ready. Oh, okay. Um, and then maybe that was true because on I'm Your Man also he felt it wasn't ready. Yeah. But yeah, this is where Rebecca de Mornay gets her producer credit because she'd heard him playing it a bunch of different ways around the house. Oh. And finally he was playing it one way and she said, that's it. That's how you should do it. Oh, okay. Um, and she may well have had stuff to do in the studio too. I don't know the extent of that, but right. Leonard said that I genuinely designate the producer as the person without whom that particular track would not exist. Hmm. So at the very least, she uh, gave him the direction that he would follow for the song. Yeah. Although like even then, I don't know, because if he's just playing it at home by himself, there's no way it would really sound like this. Right. So I'm not exactly sure what that means. Hmm. But yeah. Interesting. We will never know. No. Anyway, that's Anthem. That's And that's side that's, A, right? That's side A of the future. Great. Yeah, long record, so it's okay yeah. that this is a bit of a long episode. Uh-huh. Yeah. Leonard's entering the CD era. <laughs> right. No, no longer constrained by the run times of final records. That's so true. So, yeah. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll be back in a couple of days for side B. More to come. More to come. Bye. Take care, everyone. Do I have to dance all night? Do I have to dance all night? Who tell me bird of paradise? Good night, friends. Thank you very much.